Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick, back for part two of the discussion of the defense. And here to join me with it is Brandon Croxton. Going to talk about that 49ers game. Brandon, how you doing? Hey, Ken. It's uh, I'm doing great today. You know, Ravens are number one. I have a chance to clinch that number one seed, which would be huge. And yeah, very excited. Now, we should all be happy on Christmas. We should all be thankful on Christmas for a lot of reasons for who we are and, and you know, the, the wonderful spot we have in life and whatnot. But um, how does how does a winning foot winning a football game like this impact your mood, would you say? Um, I'm always a lot more. Uh, less I'm, I'm i'm definitely less moody and definitely a lot friendlier after a big win like this then you know the, the next day i can be a, a little bit chippy a little bit snappy if, if on a loss so yeah i think everybody is you know everybody around me is definitely happy that the ravens won <laughs> <laughs> all right definitely makes yeah. for a good week for for me as well and especially i i gotta say i'll, I'll I, I probably bring this up every time it happens, but I really hate night football. 
I mean, it's it's not that I hate a night game for the sake of the night game. I'm happy to go to a night game, happy to go to a game whenever it's played. But it's the analysis that has to happen after it, which is a real drag for me on night and messes up the schedule for that. And then I got to ask Maureen to, you know, be up all night basically doing this with me. And and it's just it's it's just it's miserable and it's worse if they lose. And and basically, I'll put up with almost anything if they win. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> all right. All right. Well, second part of the show, we'll get into some individual player discussion. We got some great mailbag questions to get to in this episode. So I want to do that. We'll, uh, Brandon and I will each have our three, two, one MVPs, uh, to, mm-hmm. to talk through, but you're the guest. Well, take us off with the first player you'd like to talk about. Yeah. So love to start with the defensive line with, uh, Travis Jones. Um, I thought he had probably one of his best games of his career. Um, he was clogging up the middle, um, even in the first half, San Francisco wasn't able to run that much on the inside. Um, he made a, a just an absolute huge hit on McCaffrey. Um, yeah. in the, I think in the second quarter, uh, McCaffrey looked like he he was getting a full head of steam, and he ran into Travis and um, and Braddock Ross, Washington, and he just totally stopped in his tracks. It's, I mean, it, it just you know, in in all the times that the Ravens just kind of out physical the San Fran, San Fran. That was one of those plays where it's like, yeah, the Ra- the Ravens are, you know, just the much more physical team today. And um, so he had that big hit. Um, he hit uh, Purdy's arm on the interception to Queen. Um, obviously made in, made, made that pass inaccurate and threw it right into Queen's, uh, Queen's chest. And I thought, you know, one of the most important plays when San Fran was trying to make that comeback in this, as uh, he uh, stopped uh, stopped the run um, right before the two minute warning in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. At, had San Francisco scored on that play um, before the two minute warning, the game would have been a lot uh, a, a lot more nerve wracking because the Ravens would have absolutely had to at least get one first down in order to run out the clock and. So him stopping that, but right before the two minute was was a huge play. Yeah, it was a big play. I thought Michael Pierce was a big part of that play. By the way, I thought he he jammed it up, yeah. such that gave Travis Jones time to come over and make that play. But there's nothing like taking the ball carrier down either. Tra- Travis, the the thing that I've really loved about his season is his exponential leap forward as a pass rusher. I thought he's pretty good run defender in his first season. Um, you know, did a lot of things we really expected him to do well as a kind of a backup nose tackle. I really hoped that that we'd see more of him as a three tech this year, and we haven't. We've only seen a little bit of him, just a little bit, uh, as a three tech. If Matt Abike were to leave the Ravens, I think he might take over that role next year. I think that would be a place where you try and get Pierce back, or maybe you try and draft another nose tackle, but you set up Travis Jones as a three tech, and I, it looks to me like he might give you enough to – help lessen the pain from losing a player like Matabike. He's not going to be Matabike right away, but he looks to me like a guy who can thoroughly steamroll most guards one-on-one, penetrate versus them as needed, put them on roller skates as needed, you know, cause ha- wreak havoc in the middle um, as he has this year. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree. I think he's, I, I I think we're we're starting to see a little bit, but I think he's got a lot more to offer, and I want to see him just continue those snaps to go up and up, you know, at towards the end of the season and going into next year. Yeah, absolutely. 
Yeah, they've, they've really. It seems like if you look back for 15 games, he's he's played. He's averaged 25 snaps a game. He's played 375, I think it is, on the year. It's within a small fraction of that. It might might be exactly that. But the other thing, if you look at just his number of snaps by game, it, it doesn't differ very much. It's pretty much the same number of snaps every game. So they've got him kind of on kind of on a strict pitch count. The one usage difference I was noting was that he's playing a lot more with Matabike now, whereas it had been Pierce versus Matabike. So when we hold up our score sheet that looks like this, that has the players by by down that's there, um, you know, I can look at it directly and I can see, well, Pierce and Matabike are in for the exact same snaps here pretty much. And they were stunt partners and doing a lot of things like that. And now it's Jones and Matabike are, are playing together a lot more. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. And, it, it hasn't affected the production at all with either player. I mean, Matabike, well, he ended the sack streak, but he continued that sack streak for, you know, the past few games. And Travis Jones, you, you just want to see him get more snaps. And I think they're he, he's earned them, and he's, he keeps earning more and more playing, playing time. Yeah. yeah. All right. So uh, Travis Jones, great choice to go number one. Who do I want to talk about? I want to talk about, well, let's talk about Brent Urban because I thought he had absolutely a fantastic game. Uh, lots of detail out, out about him in the uh, in the defensive uh, package note, but he, he had um, five plays where I thought he had a pressure. The first one was a bull of Williams. So this is not a small-time player. It's in the first quarter. So Trent Williams still in there. He bulled him right into Purdy. It was an 18-yard pass anyway, but it was effective pressure from, from Urban. Um, he bulled Banks to phone booth the pocket on Van Noy's sack. So Van Noy had that S minus five, but a lot of that was an assist from uh, Urban on phone boothing that pocket. Uh, He cleaned up Clowney twice, as you mentioned, I think in the first show. And then he had another pressure where he bowled Feliciano. And boy, neither of those guards could block. Feliciano and Banks and the guys who replaced them, uh, at least one of them got replaced, Barch or whoever came in. Um, They were all getting bowled all over the place and, and he, he bowled him once. So he had in by my count five pressures in the game, but even one more play stood out. If do you remember the really heavily trafficked um, screen pass on the left side where it looked like the 49ers had bodies out front mm-hmm. urban was mm-hmm. over there and had diagnosed the screen and somehow amazingly Purdy snaked the ball through to McCafferty to allow him to get a, a gain of six or something. It wasn't a huge gain, but but he Urban put himself in a position to make the play on that ball. Didn't didn't quite as it wasn't quite long enough to get it done, but um but, was, but very good positioning. Yeah, like uh yeah, was, yeah, he he really had a fine game. Um we also talked about in the first show um him being kind of the outside contain uh on the un- uncovered nickel play and um he he really he 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 holds the edge pretty well as well um you know for a bigger guy and he he's just a just a solid glue guy he's not a star player but he he is just he's a very good team player he makes he doesn't make a ton of plays but he's always in the right position and it was good to see him actually you know finish plays with those two sacks and you know, he almost made a great play and uh, on that play on that screen pass, and you know, Purdy just made it that much more of a better play right yeah. there. Yeah, I thought the best game of Urban's career 
Uh, now I have not been there for all of them, but I've seen all the ones we played as a Raven. He's three years out of out of the Ravens uniform, and he did have one kind of big game. I was looking at where he had about five pressure events in a PFF game, so it's possible that one. He might say it was better. I think this was probably the best game of his entire career. And he said some other games where he's done some good things against the runs or, you know, fallen on a fumble here or there or whatever. But but I think this was the game in terms of uh, uh, of, of him putting together a great pressure game and really good circumstances against a top opponent. I think he's going to remember this game. I think this is the game he'll show to his grandkids if they want to know who crazy, crazy uh, Grandpa Brent did for a living or whatever. Uh It'd be fun. Anyway. Yep. Uh, next one, I want to go t- talk a little bit about uh, Malik Harrison. Um, like, uh, he doesn't make a ton of big plays or splashy plays, but he plays very sound, um, sound defense, and he holds the edge. He holds the edge well, um, but he's very physical. Like, he was just hitting everybody hard. Uh, a tight end tried to block block him. He, he like you could literally hear the pads uh, pop when 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 he when he he slammed into the tight end. And uh, same with Uzcheck. Uzcheck tried to block him, and he he was physical with him. Um, it, like you know, the Ravens out physicaled San Fran. I, I said that before, and he was just another guy that was out there. He was. Uh, you know, I almost call him. You know, he, he's kind of almost a goon for uh, in for ice <laughs> hockey. He, he's not. He's not making a play, but he's just out there, just you know, trying to fight somebody. And you know, he was he was just hitting people all over the field. <laughs> so he played a little bit in the first half, mostly in the base package. Played the first uh, snap of the second half when they were in base, and then played only two more plays when they were right down at the goal line. But the the one play mentioned is not getting fooled on that naked boot ended up in a really big play. That was the first and two play or whatever. I think it's first and two. And he followed that naked boot, forced the ball to be thrown away. Then they gained a yard, which took the took the gate, the the clock down to two minutes on the play you mentioned where Jones made the tackle. And then they got the sack and kept him out of the end zone, ended up keeping out of the end zone in that drive, not just not just winning it there. But Harrison, a big contribution there, obviously. Um he's a he's a he's exactly the kind of player the Ravens love to have. And he might get a series of two-year deals because he's that important and be like an Anthony Levine type leader of the of the special teams, or he might just be a series of one-year, uh, you know, a rolling one-year contract guy that the Ravens always want him back because of a combination he can give them in terms of some value to the defense and a lot of value on special teams as a leader there. But uh, uh, I think Malik Harrison has a has a place in the NFL. It's probably going to be a role like that. I don't think he suddenly jumps in to be a starting inside linebacker after changing his body type. And I don't think he, he he goes to be a starting outside linebacker anyway, because I don't think he's the type of player that teams want as anything but a low paid specialist for that. So I think he's, he's, he's in the perfect situation here in Baltimore. And I, I hope he's a guy that the Ravens will keep around. Yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah, he can, he could be a solid run defender for, you know, the next couple of years. So you definitely want to see him around. All right, let's see. Uh, we haven't talked about Clowney yet too much. We talked about Clowney a little bit in the pass rush in the first episode, but let's talk a little bit about it because he really had an outstanding outstanding game. Uh, teed off on that left tackle, McKivitz, in the second half. So they went through, by the way, San Francisco went through three left tackles in this game. So they, they had Trent Williams start the game, and he was not very effective. Clowney got him three times for pressures during the first half. 
And mm-hmm. one of those was a, a pass defense, right? And then in the yeah. second half, they started with Moore at one point. Um, I, I couldn't even tell you his first name, but he's only in for 12 snaps. Didn't see what he gave up in terms of pressures. I actually do not have one noted that he gave up any pressures, but he was in there for 12 snaps. And then they went to this this third guy, McKivitz, who moved over from right tackle to play on the left side. Um, did not seem certain of himself, but he wasn't really getting with, beaten with speed most of the time. He was getting beaten mostly by the bull rush, which is, by the way, a lot of what I saw was going on. I didn't think it was a lot. There were not a lot of compound moves. We didn't see every spin move in the book brought out or a ton of stunts or or, or complex stuff. It was mostly just really simple Mono on mono, uh, uh, bullying, yeah, uh, bull pass. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be stronger than you. I'm going to push. Uh, I'm stronger than you. I'm tougher than you. I'm, I'm going to go right through you. Yeah. 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 I'm they, lower than you a lot of the time too. That's, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. Anyway, um, I, I, uh, Clowney, a, a ridiculous game. And once he got, he got started, um, the pressures picked up at a ridiculous rate. And, and the, those last couple of drives, he, he was basically in on the quarterback every snap he was in there. Uh, very impressive right. game. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And hopefully, you know, I'd, I'd love to see him get to that 10 sack mark. He's never gotten, uh, he's never gotten in it in his career. So hopefully he can get, get there, get a couple sacks uh, these next couple of games and get, get to 10. And yeah, he had an absolute dominant game and just hope that continues. Yeah. Do you have any hope the Ravens are going to be able to retain him next year? I'd love, I'd love to see him. I'd, you know, like there's going to be a team out there that's going to offer him more money than the Ravens will. I'm sure um, the success that he's had and it seems like, you know, he's really enjoying his his time here that maybe, you know, sacrificing a million or two million dollars to stay here would, you know, could that might be that might entice him to kind of maybe preserve his career stretch his career to be longer than it might be otherwise. But yeah, there, I, there's no doubt to me, there's going to be another team that's going to offer him more money. There was an interesting comment he made on the, uh, after the game. And he's talking about how much he was enjoying it here. And that he, that he, that he had time to rest during the game it was one of the things he actually mentioned, you know, playing less snaps and, you know, hopefully being in there on, on passing downs was what I took from that. I, he didn't actually say that. Um, but he clearly really, uh, really is enjoying his time here. And I think that's a, that's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yep. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, next talk about, talk a little bit about Patrick queen, who I think had a really nice rebound game. Um, he's, he's struggled a lot with, um, missed tackles the last, mm-hmm. last, you know, probably four or five weeks, I'd say, um, being out of position and, you know, at least for me going into this game, it was a worry that they would attack him with, uh, with the McCaffrey or even Kittle and, and juice check, you know, get him isolated and into space and break a tackle in, you know, him and, and get, get large plays out of that. But queen was all over the place. He was fast. He, I, I, I correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I, I don't remember seeing him make two, maybe one missed tackle, but I mean, and he was physical. He made a couple of hits and obviously had the big interception as well. So a couple of missed tackles I had him for, but one of them was on a sack. 
Um, so he, he uh, you know, it, it wasn't perfect. And, and honestly, I think every Ravens defender came out of this game with a wart or two in terms of how they played. I might give Clowney a pass on that because he was just so dominant otherwise. But, you know, Roquan had a game where, where some things didn't go completely right for him. He did. He made some good plays, too. But but things, some things did not go completely right for Roquan Smith in this game, including some missed tackles. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Hamilton had a missed tackle or two. Hamilton missed a tackle and then got up and made the tackle. Um we need to talk about Hamilton at some point here, but <laughs> no, but we'll uh, definitely get to that. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I didn't. Th- I, nobody came out wartless in this game, but Queen, um, you know, the interception was a was a high focus play. I thought that ball is um, spinning because it left his hand as kind of a flotation device. It's not spinning like it was tipped. That would be harder. But it was, you know, it's not easy to judge the football, and it's like the like a batter and a baseball. You got to watch the ball all the way to your hands. Right, yeah. and uh, he he uh, he did it, and he and he came up with that play. Um, I'm not thoroughly excited about him not going down on the first time, but I also he didn't he didn't um, lose the football. He 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 was trying to be careful with it. Um, just a, the, being a second effort guy like that on on defense in terms of returns often doesn't pay off, and usually doesn't pay off for running backs. By the way, they they fumble a lot in those exact situations. And if you saw Terry Metcalf play in the 1970s, you know exactly what I'm talking about. The biggest fumbler of all time in the in the NFL was the biggest second effort guy you'd ever see in terms of trying to scrap that extra yard. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, th- good run back, but uh, uh, very happy with Queen's game here too. Yeah. How about we move on and talk about Kyle Hamilton? Because he certainly was an outstanding player. Um, fantastic line of scrimmage presence for the Ravens uh, that he's continued to maintain. This was a game, by the way, he was blocked a couple of times. I was really impressed with Ayuk's ability to block Hamilton in this game. A couple of the big plays, including the, the I think it was the, the 39-yard run. It was the 58 to Kittle. And, and, yeah. the, and, and, and yeah, the run with McCaffrey, they, they were yeah. able to block, yeah. So, uh, you know, a, a couple of plays where he, where he certainly was, was blocked impactfully, but then also, hey, um, I, the the play that will be a highlight for his career, no matter how long he plays in the NFL, and no matter how well, comes in, takes a chop block from McCafferty, which immediately screwed the 49ers on the play. And they may not have known they were dead at that point, but that was going to be a 15-yard penalty um, at, at that point. He ended up that play on the ground, 65, that's uh, not Feliciano, that's Banks, Landed on top of him, literally landed on top of him. Yep. And he's got his face flat in the ground. Banks is on top of him. The flag comes in. Banks gets up to argue about the flag. <laughs> Hamilton ran off back into the secondary. Humphrey tips the ball after an extended play, and Hamilton is there to grab he's, it. Just incredible. It's just yeah. I I mean, like I I coach uh, I coach my son's uh, flag football team, and I always teach like always just always be hustling, always run to the ball because you never know what's going to happen. You never, and this is just a perfect example of it. Like to me, to me, I think this was, that was probably the, the play, the defensive play of the year for the, for the, for for the Ravens. I mean, yeah, to get chop locked and to be on the ground and have a 300 pound lineman laying on top of you. And then, you just get up and you, you keep moving and all of a sudden the ball it gets tipped and it goes right to you. I mean, it's, 
that's that's everything you want everything you want out of a out of a player is is that hustle and that never giving up and i mean like i can think back to a game earlier in the season um where uh it it and it was in the last 2 minutes of the game um the game was over and uh the browns had broken a long a long run and Kyle just hustled to the other end of the field to make the tackle before they before the running back could score and he he just has that mentality he doesn't give up on a play he's always hustling he's always running and you know that that's just such such an important uh such an important trait to have for a great defensive player yeah, you know, the payoff from that, you don't always see, but when it pays off, you're the biggest hero ever was. I remember, okay, I'll bring it back up a player, remember this similar to this. 2014, the Ravens went down to New Orleans and played, I think, a Monday night game, but it might have been a Sunday night. I remember being there, and Lardarius Webb, might have been the first drive of the game, chased down a running back who had a 60-yard run, looked like he was getting into the end zone. He was came from the other side of the field to run him down and knock him out at the one-yard line. Mm-hmm. And then the Ravens put on a goal line stand and kept him out of the end zone on four downs and he didn't mm-hmm. score. You go back to Webb every time in terms of that effort. And there is a payoff for those. If <laughs> there is a, just a, uh, I won't call it karmic, but it's a, it's a, uh, uh, the effort is, is remembered and valued when you see it on film and when, mm-hmm. when it, uh, when it pays off like that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, it was great. And, you know, it's 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 amazing. Like the Ravens really have two unicorns here. Like Lamar, obviously, is, is a one of a kind player, and Kyle really is too. I don't think there's another defensive player like him. I mean, his versatility, his size, being six four, yep. and still able to move. He's got the instincts. He can cover. It's just he's just such a unique defender in itself. Like this, if if this doesn't put him as an All Pro, I don't know what will. Oh, I think I think he's he's probably going to get it, but uh, but I, I, if he's not all pro one, I'll be I'll be really surprised. But I, the the comment I've been making the last few weeks is I think he's the best horizontal defender in the entire NFL, and the guy the only guy who's really close to him in this regard is Derwin James. And Derwin James not having I don't think the, his best season this year, but um, he's same similar player that you put all over the field. He becomes your extra edge in a pass rusher. He can play the slot and do a lot of things for you. He uses his length extremely well to fend off blocks, which is something Hamilton, this game is the first one where I really saw Hamilton get blocked pretty effectively by the 49ers. But I thought in general, he's been extremely, uh, extremely good at fighting off blocks. Um, And everything he gives you along the line of scrimmage is atypical for a slot corner and incredibly valuable. So it's, uh, uh, you know, he's a devastating short zone player and we saw that even on a on a hustle play like this they got back into a position where he could maybe make a play on a football and what do you know the football came along and seemed to find him well it's not luck it's it's, it's the residue of the design there yeah yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. My, my old coach used to say it, it it's not luck it, it might be luck but you hustling every play creates that luck so yeah yeah mm-hmm. All right. Uh, let's see. We talked about Hamilton. It's your turn. Yeah. Um, how about uh, Marcus Williams? Um, had a couple of uh, a couple of tough plays uh, covering Kittle. The the long they were in man coverage when he got the the fifty yard play, and another couple of plays where Kittle 
was really kind of hurting them over the middle. But um, the play at the end was was great, great read, and him jumping the route to you know put an end to the comeback was you know a, a very nice uh, ending and for 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 him, and it was good to see him get that first uh, get that interception. You know, he, he looks to be, you know, getting stronger every game as the uh, as the season wears on and, um, you know, him recovering from that chest injury. Yeah, I'm trying to remember where else he had like a drive ending play, because I thought there was one other, but that's definitely the big one. The 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 fourth and 11, uh, the fourth, the fourth. play. Yeah. yeah. To McCaffrey when he just chucked it in the air. Yeah. Right. So he, he actually made the tackle on on that play. Um, to, to, to finish off that drive. Drive ending plays have a leverage all their own, folks, in terms of, of being important. So uh, obviously there's third downs to get made. That you got to be successful with them too. And, and uh, uh, he had some plays he certainly gave up in this game. But I thought outstanding game. And um, the, the nature of this is there's a whole lot of players who deserved MVP consideration in this game. Williams was one of them. Um, but a guy who, who, who definitely was was not without warts. And, you know, you mentioned some of them, but uh, the – Balance of those things, much in Williams' favor in terms of what he produced for the Ravens in this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, who do I want to talk about? I want to talk about Marlon Humphrey. Um, really outstanding, I thought, physical game. I thought one of his best of the entire season. Um, there are a couple plays in here that I don't think I don't think everybody would have naturally caught. One of them, he didn't even get mentioned by the um, announcers on the game, but it was one where... Okay, look at Q3-10-22. Okay, second and five play, there's a run right by McCafferty, and it's one of these edge plays where McKivitz is the great McKivitz, is pulling, and from in this case from right tackle, pulling outside to the right further, uh, beyond the tight end in this case it was, in order to, to make a block to support McCafferty uh, making his run. Anyway, McKivitz got absolutely steamrolled by Humphrey. Now that's a 200 pound man running over a 315 pound man. And literally there's, there's no reason why that should happen other than Humphrey was willing to deliver that physicality to McKivitz and do it with, you know, good leverage and speed and a lack of regard for his own safety, probably in terms of, yeah. of doing it. And he bubbled McCafferty on that play. McCafferty had to loop around that traffic where Humphrey had, had backed up McKivitz two or three yards, and that ended up being a play where who was it? Roquan and yeah, Roquan and Matabike took him down for a one yard loss. Well, Roquan and Matabike are high fiving each other, <laughs> and the announcers are focused on Roquan and Matabike. Humphrey is just on his knees getting up off the ground, but he was the one who made that play. And um, you know, twice he's in on the double cat blitz, and he he, he got the the tip again not luck that's being around the basket at the right time and he he, mm-hmm. he collected the rebound and then the other time he delivered the uh the rebound by tipping it over to uh to Hamilton on the uh on the chop block play that we've talked about so much but great game I thought by Humphrey it wasn't like he didn't give up any passes he gave up a, a few passes there was a 20 yard play where he's closest in zone to Kittle that I thought was one uh you know that maybe he could have he would have liked to have back but uh uh, and he had a missed tackle at minus five on that big hit he delivered on um, Debo. Um, yeah, right? Debo. Yeah. Yep. Debo yeah, and he ended up getting 11 yards after that missed tackle, which was bad. Mm-hmm. But 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 it was a. I, I can't believe Debo was able to continue after that hit with with the thunderous uh, way that 
Humphrey delivered it. Right. Absolutely. I thought that was, he had them lined up. I thought that was a fumble opportunity for sure. And Debo was amazingly stayed on his feet, even though he just got rocked and, and yeah, it was a great read for, for Marlon to be there and see what was happening and to react as well as he did. Just, just wish he could have wrapped up or at least been able to get him down. And, but yeah, I think it was a great play by Marlon. It was even greater play by Debo, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so next I wanted to talk about, um, go back to, uh, Michael Pierce, who was a, just a solid, um, solid run defender. Um, San Francisco really didn't have a lot of, um, success running up the middle. Um, a lot of their play, a lot of their success running the ball was kind of towards the edges and to Mm -hmm. the outside and. Uh, Pierce and Jones were a big problem. Were were a big part of that, um, and I think that gave them a lot, you know, a lot of stability against the run. Um, and then, you know, even he was able to get some pressure on uh, Purdy and um, didn't get a sack or anything, but you know, got some pressures and and put just being that force up the middle. Yeah, yeah I, I I thought he's very solid, and he was one of the players that was putting. Um, the guard, uh, the center on roller skates and pushing him right back into the quarterback. It just, it was, it, it got to be, you were kind of almost expecting someone to do it on every single play because out of four matchups, they were getting three good ones, meaning any one-on-one matchup that they could really try and exploit uh, towards the end of that game. But uh, uh, you know, he's, he, he's, he's been so good for the Ravens this year. I'm I'm expecting the Ravens to lose Matabike by hook or crook because I just don't see how they're going to be able to afford to keep him. Everybody wants to keep him. I just don't know how the Ravens, with all the holes they have to fill, are going to be able to keep Matabike, um, given what's going on. We've talked about the possibility of it being a tag-and-trade situation where Matabike has such value right now that you might, instead of being able having to wait a year to get a third-round pick, maybe you get a first-round pick right away. And maybe you address left tackle with it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So if you if you're talking about you know maybe lessening the pain of losing Matabike, I know a third round comp pick's not going to do it. Maybe a first round pick um, would get you more excited. So uh, uh, I'm I'm still hopeful right. that that uh, the that the Ravens can somehow make it work. But I think if it doesn't, that would be my second choice. Would be a tag and trade option. Yeah, I think uh, I definitely think Matabike is heading towards the franchise tag. Um, I'd love to see them be try to figure out a way to keep them. But I mean, they, they have a lot committed to Lamar and obviously, you know, a, a, a lot of other players. So if, if they're able to just tag them and trade them and get, get, get good value, um, that, that would be important as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but we're talking about that in the sense of Pierce. So if I'm, if, and, if yeah. Matt Abike were to leave, then getting Pierce back on a, what I think will be a fairly reasonable deal. I don't think the rest of the NFL kind of sees his value the same way the Ravens do. Right. Um, and I think that they, you know, you're getting one of their best run defenders in the league still uh, hasn't always been healthy. So some teams are going to be scared off by that, but if you can get him at a reasonable contract, the funny thing is they just shortened his contract 
um, mm-hmm. you know, by agreement to keep him here. But it, now they, if they want to sign him for another two years, it's going to seem kind of weird. But but I, I think they would love to have him. And I think the combination of him and Travis Jones could just be devastating next year. Yeah, I I, I love the, the prospects of him and Travis Jones clogging up the middle at, at the nose. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Welcome to Prime Video's culture-rated collection. This is the place where Black is the main character, where we don't jump through hoops just to hear our voice and can fall in love with illuminating documentaries like Giannis' The Marvelous Journey. I'm just a hard worker that's trying to survive. Enjoy the animated series, The Second Best Hospital in the Galaxy. All doctors report immediately. Where we dive into something new like the latest season of Them, The Scare, and the award-winning American fiction. Welcome home, baby! Or add to the experience by buying or renting the biopic of a legend, Bob Marley, One Love. I want my music to unify people. And add on channels like Paramount Plus and Stars to bask in nostalgia with Beverly Hills Cop. This is the cleanest police car I've ever been in in my life. And BMF. You're about to take over the whole nation. Explore Prime Video's culture-rated collection and enjoy old-school greats and new-school hits. Prime Video. Find your happy place. Restrictions apply. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply and the three technique next year. I think that would be really nice. And yeah, uh, teams aren't going to be beating down uh, Pierce's door to give him a whole lot of money. So I, I think he's found, Pierce has found his most success here. The Ravens value, value him and value what he does. And I think that's something that, you know, the Ravens value him more than probably anybody else would. So yeah, I think he could totally be reasonable. Maybe he's the Jimmy Smith type contract you keep around. I, I don't. I don't think he's a vet men guy. At least not yet. There may there may be a time when he'll be a vet men guy, and and the Ravens will be you know a beneficiary of that for some period of time. But if 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 he's a three three and a half million dollar a year guy, that might be too optimistic. But um, but it'd be really nice if if they could. Uh, find a way to keep him at a number like that that would be something that allows them to save a little bit of money for some other positions. Um, I, I'd be I'd be yeah. thrilled to have him back for that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Are we pretty much tapped out on players we want to talk about? Do you have anybody else? Um, no. Yeah, I think, yeah, I'm pretty much tapped. All right. Outstanding. So uh, we want to talk defensive MVPs first, then we'll go to the mailbag? Sure. Mm-hmm. Okay, who's your number three guy? Okay, so uh, number three, I had Marlon Humphrey. Um, talked about it. He had had the great interception, the great pass breakup to lead to Hamilton's interception, and yeah, yeah, the the the, the force on on the run plays, and you know, like I think I think we're kind of seeing you know Marlon getting back to a hundred percent, and he's. He's really, you know, making his presence known on this defense. Okay. I, I had an extraordinarily tough decision to make at number three, and Marlon did end up being my guy. But the other guy I would – and we've talked, I think, enough about him that we understand, like, why it would be Humphrey. Uh, by the way, great that he's playing well at this time of year. He's one of the players that the Ravens could really get more value than he's shown so far this year in terms of a playoff run. You know, I think it was, he's still kind of – in, in the closing stages probably of, of shaking off the rust and have his best game of the year be his most recent is very good news for a player like um, like Humphrey and, and, you know, to go into the postseason. But the other guy, the, the Brent Urban, just had a fantastic game. It was the best game of his career, and it, it would be – it seems so unfair that it ends up out of the top three of the defensive MVPs for this game mm-hmm. uh, for, for that to be true. So, uh, anyway, he was the other one I considered for that, he, uh, though I did give it to Humphrey in the end. Yeah, I had Urban and Jones's honorable mention. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're number two guy. Number two, I had Davian Clowney. Um, just absolutely destroyed whatever tackle was uh, was in front of him, whether it was Trent Williams or either either one of the backups. Um, had a sack, had a pass breakup, um, and just yeah, he, he was just all over Purdy that whole game um, had, had, had the one sack barely missed two others um, and just a ton of pressure. He, he, he really dominated the game. 
Yeah, Out, outstanding game. I agree. He's also my number two guy. So it seems like we might be working with the same list three to one here right now. But yeah. uh, uh, nine nine pressures for Clowney. Amazing that a player who has that kind of a game would not be your number one defensive star. Uh, mm-hmm. It's just it's it gives you an idea of the, the the depth of quality that the Ravens had from this game. And they and you know everybody had a little had a couple warts in this game. Clowney. Um, probably less than most, but the uh, uh, you know just the pressure was outrageous, and it was there all through the 49ers' attempted comeback, which um, sputtered to a halt, basically in large part because of what he what he did. Yep, exactly. Yep. And number one, uh, Kyle Hamilton. I just like I just he, that 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 interception in the first in the first quarter to halt that drive and put that drive to him that was that was a that was a big play um after they had gotten the the 50 yard pass to Kittle and then like I said I I just thought that that was the play of the year for the defense um him just continuing hustle to uh, after after drawing the penalty to get up and just be in position to make a play and he made it and yeah, I, I agree co- completely with the play of the year discussion, by the way. And I'm going to steal that, um, make sure that that uh, that comes up more regularly. But uh, I think that's a That's a great point. It's uh, in terms of, you know, there are signature plays. There's so many signature plays in Ravens history we could point to. But that in terms of a hustle play, I can't easily think of one that's as good. And if I did, I'll give you one. Do you remember Redding in the playoff game against the Steelers when yep. the Steelers had, yeah, you know exactly what we're going to talk love, about. Wait, yeah, I love, tell the story. I, yeah. I, I love Corey Redding. That was, yeah. he was my favorite defensive lineman when, uh, when he was here. Um, and uh, Suggs, uh, Suggs had tipped, uh, had knocked the ball out of Roethlisberger's hand and everybody on the field thought it was an, it, it, it was an incomplete pass. And, the Steelers stopped. You, you stopped reacting to the ball, and the ball was just trickling about four or five yards, you know, past the line of scrimmage. And Corey Redding was the only one that grabbed the, you know, saw it, grabbed the ball, and just went on into the end zone and scored a touchdown. Nobody else was paying attention. And yeah, it was yeah, it was a great so, play. First of all. Immediately, the the officials' hands go up. You know, nobody's nobody's blowing the whistle. They know they haven't heard the whistle. They know they didn't blow it themselves. They can worry about that later. Hands go up immediately. The other thing is the shot that the TV gets of Redding running towards the goal line. The Pittsburgh linemen are are aligning. T- they're huddling up. As yep. it's the strangest thing. It's just a yeah, great sight. Yeah, yeah. If they had won that game, that would have made all the difference in yeah, terms of yeah. That. I, was, that I was, was at that game. That game broke oh, my heart. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. We have uh, some great questions here in the mailbag. I'm sorry. Did we miss one? Oh, Kyle Hamilton. Okay. I'm, I'm, I, I, I think we've gone over Kyle Hamilton enough. He is also my number one guy, by the way. And uh, outstanding game. I think the biggest concern is about his health. And we mentioned a little bit in the first show that uh, indicators seem to be good based on bench demeanor and airplane demeanor yeah okay. yeah mm-hmm. 
go back to that first show. If you haven't don- downloaded that, haven't listened yet, make sure you download that and, and, and take a listen because we get into that a little bit. All right, we got some good questions here. I'm, we're gonna have to. I want to get through all of these, so we're gonna kind of have to shotgun them a little bit. I'll I'll read them off, and you give me your response to them, and then I'll maybe have something to say. Uh, Isaiah at Stogel Yogi. He said a question before. I know I remember that one. Are we ready to start expecting Mike McDonald gone next season? Uh, to be someone else's head coach, unless the Ravens can somehow retain him. Interesting. So um, I think the Ravens should um, try make, if Mike McDonald wants to be a head coach, they should, they should do their best to help him do that. But they should try to help them also get them in the right, in a good position to succeed. They don't want to, you don't want them to go to a terrible franchise. You, so don't make it about the money, make it about the right situation for him to succeed. So if they're able to retain him, like give him a big raise, pay him, you know, like a, like a low paid, you may, you know, maybe make him the highest paid coordinator in the league, something like that. But don't make it about the money f- for him to leave. Make it about the right situation because, yeah, I, that's what I would say. I, I, I think that's very well said. They I, I don't think it's reasonable for them to create a succession plan. Um, it would really have to be a situation where both players were totally bought into it and a Harbaugh really wanted to retire. If Harbaugh was a guy who had health concerns or Harbaugh was a guy who there were – um, other reasons why he wanted to retire for some some really good reason, um, then that would be one thing. But I, I don't see that. I don't see that from Harbaugh at all. He's he's still, he's, right. he's a sprightly sixty one years old right now. Um, uh, I don't think of him as being a year older than me. But uh, you know it, it, things break down pretty quickly, and uh, and you know it could be that 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 he's ready to go uh, by sixty five, and it might not be. It might be that he's that he's a guy who coaches till seventy four because. Hey, this is what he really loves doing, and and uh, he just there's no reason for him to take off. So anyway, um, I, I think if if I had to handicap it right now, I'm putting it about um, well, he's certainly going to get interviews. I'd probably put it still at about sixty percent, maybe sixty five that he's gone for next year, as of right now. Yeah, yeah it's possible. Yeah, it, it it it'll also depend on how many open positions will you know, are available, but yeah. Mm. Got a great one here from Alvindo Royale, um, who says, have the Ravens decided organizationally that defensive variance is more important than averages? They'll give up some runs and some big plays between the 20s, but no, you'll make a mistake or they'll make a play. Um, maybe I'll take that one. Uh, just, just respond quickly to it. Yes, I think I think that's a great point, is that the Ravens have decided – um, other teams that, that that want to run the ball, they can do it. And then this is a, it's a feature, not a bug. You get a lot more variance when other teams um, pass the ball in generally, um, and and the Ravens are set up to take advantage of that. So they have to get to some of these favorable situations. But other teams have not really shown the patience with the run, with a couple exceptions. The Rams ran the ball nine straight times. You know, to get right down the field in that first drive, and then he threw it three times to lose the football. Uh, you know, and and just take a few balls. I, I haven't, we haven't even the teams that have been exceptionally good at it. I haven't really seen them have the patience to make it work out. And um, defensive variance is critical. You want range of outcomes that creates ends of drives, and be less concerned about giving up some first downs in the process. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. They, they, they bet on an offense getting a penalty, you know, missing the block pressure or whatever to, yeah. All right. Now here, this one's from Dirk Schwenk, uh, who came visit came to visit me the other day. That's uh, great, Dirk. Thank you. Uh, I feel like the Ravens are getting teams to abandon the run way too early. Am I right? And how are they doing it? Yeah. So a big thing that they're doing is getting big leads. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like when 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 you get up fourteen points uh, and even twenty one points on a team. You're forcing them to pass the ball to try to catch up um, and score quickly, and that's that's why teams are uh, you know forced to kind of abandon the run for the Ravens so much. Yeah. It certainly wasn't success running the football that made the 49ers gave it up in this game. It was all about right. game script and and situation. I agree completely. Right. Good one here from Daniel Sampiano. Assuming Hamilton can go on Sunday. Are the Ravens better off saving him for the playoffs? Essentially, what is worth more? One, guaranteeing he can he can go game number one in the playoffs, or two, playing him Sunday to help neutralize Miami's offense, risking for and potentially risking further injury. Great question. Um, I th- I think you, you you have to make sure that he, yeah him. He's more important in the playoffs than I would say the number one seed is. At worst, the Ravens are probably going to be the number two seed. So that's still a great position. Um, I I wouldn't risk Kyle's long-term health if there's a serious chance of, you know, him making a a more serious injury that would could even leak into next year over a game or two. It's a it's a valid point. Now the Ravens don't have the division locked up, so it could be they end up with a wild card playing on the road by not playing Hamilton against the against Miami. So there is some risk there, but you're probably right. The two seed and and the, it's the one seed is way up here. This is very high where my hand is, and the, and the two seed is is below it, but it's still very good because you you're guaranteed two home games, even though you have to play an extra week. You're guaranteed a home game in that second week if you survive the first round and you play the seven seeds. So that's, you know, that's not going to be anybody particularly great. It'll be somebody like the Colts or the Texans or somebody else who kind of squeaks into the playoffs. Um, maybe the Steelers um, again, unfortunately, I guess after this results of this week, it doesn't look like it's going to be Buffalo Buffalo. It looks like they're going to be at worst, the sixth seed. And at best they might be the two seed. Two seed. Right? Yeah. 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 yeah, and uh, so it's uh, mm-hmm. still a, a big possibility there. So anyway, um, one of the things that's unfortunate about what happened this last week is now Buffalo looks like they're going to have nothing to play for in week 18, which uh, can't really help the Ravens. Um, you well, know, Buffalo could be playing for the division. They um, could be. And we could. Yeah. Yeah. If if Baltimore beats Miami and Buffalo wins, Miami Buffalo is for the division. Okay, so that's nice from a standpoint of having Miami and Buffalo bang each other up. But in terms of the, of really helping the Ravens get the one seed, it'll already be decided then. Oh, so, yeah. so so the, the the condition, the situation the Ravens need to worry about is if the if the Ravens lose this game, can they get help from Buffalo to beat Miami? And the answer is probably no. Buffalo's going to have nothing to play for. Miami's going to have a lot to play for. The one seed, yeah. Yeah, specifically. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'd be a little concerned about that. So anyway, the the uh, if if. This game is so important. This Miami game and, and winning, getting the one seed is more important. I think I'd be on the side of it's more important to get the one seed because that comes with a lot of additional rest. 
Um, that comes with two weeks of rest potentially for Hamilton, who won't play in week 18 against the Steelers, if there's any concern at all. He won't play in, in the wild card round, we hope, you know, for the for the obvious reasons. And then he can be back and hopefully rested. And um I wouldn't I'm I think the whole rust thing is way overplayed in terms of of what happens to these teams. And I certainly, I mean, just every team wants the number one seed. They're not, you know, there's no bones about it. They want the number one seed. They want the rest. They know how important it is. Players understand why it's so important. It has not always worked out. And, you know, the Ravens have got their own history to point to and say when they've when they've gotten the one seed, they, oh, no, they lost. It's going to be 2019 all over again. Well, yeah. you know, the, it was a very unfortunate series of events in that Tennessee mm-hmm. game. But yeah. it's not what I base everything in the future about. Yeah, I'll 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 take the number one seed and take our chances every time. <laughs> so and and you're you're I, and I will too. Um, uh, but would you would you take a risk on Hamilton in the Miami game? And and obviously it's it's so dependent on what this actual situation is, and we I guess we don't know yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's that's the thing that we don't know. Um, I if if he's if he's able to go without substantial chance of a serious re-injury i think he i think they play him um but if if he's not able to go yeah i think i think you don't you don't really you you don't send him out as you would probably possibly like on a playoff game or no Mm -hmm. yeah something like that so all right, next question up here. Zach Serpa Weinberg. These questions are fantastic tonight, by the way. Looks like the dime snaps included Queen rather than Roquan based on the snap counts I saw. Assuming that's right, are there specific traits they want from the dime off-ball linebacker that would make PQ the natural choice? Okay, so I, I guess we can maybe talk about this on two levels. So this first thing is Roquan was out for two snaps. I don't know if it was an equipment issue, but if it was at the start of the drive, uh, the second to last drive that the um, 49ers had. So it, it ended up being a touchdown drive, and he's mm, confirming here. Okay, it's not that drive. It was the first two dri- two plays of the very last drive they had where they ended up stopping him. He was out and Phillips was in. And I didn't, I couldn't even tell. It looked like maybe Yasin was in at first because he had kind of that midriffy look I've seen before with a, with a purple shirt. But anyway, it was Phillips. And, and uh, it seemed like a, um, a strange play at the time. Uh, but then after two plays, Roquan was back in. So I wonder if it was something about his communications helmet that they had to put in a new earpiece or something. Um, yeah. but, but it might... Yeah, I I think that's probably what it was. It might have been a com- communication issue, or maybe maybe he had some kind of nick that he needed to get checked out, or something like that. I I I think you you keep Roquan on a hundred percent of the time if if he's able to go. Yeah, and and they did on the hundred percent of the other snaps, and including the three dime snaps they played, Roquan and Queen were both on the field. So those were all thirty two dime. Uh, which we mentioned before in the first series, but I'll just mention before they go with two outside linebackers, one Matabike in the middle, so just a three-man defensive front, two inside linebackers, and then six defensive backs behind that. And so they're usually trying to bring pressure from somewhere else, but also gives them a very versatile look in terms of defending against the pass. Um, and they've they've used that um, you know a handful of times this year, but they only had nine dime saps um, with three of them coming in this game the entire season. So uh, this is not a team like uh, four years ago that that played the dime over forty two percent of the time. Uh, 
All right, let's move on to the next question here. Um, Randy Morgan, do you think playing an offense similar to the 49ers next week is more of an advantage for the Ravens or the Dolphins? Do you think we have enough wrinkles to keep them off guard after putting a lot of film out on Monday night? Uh, that's a good question. Um, it, the the Dolphins and San Fran do have similar offenses, um, but there are also very distinct differences. Um, number one, like Miami is really, you know, Tyreek and um, Jalen Waddle, who may or may not, you know, even go on Sunday, but um, it's, it's very similar. There, Miami absolutely made some adjustments based on what the Ravens did. And um, I don't, I, it may not, it's not necessarily an advantage or disadvantage for either side. Um, but yeah, I think um, you know, there's still distinct uh, differences in the way that they play. Uh, Miami has a lot, a lot more speed than the 49ers do. 49ers have good offensive weapons. They, 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 a lot of jack of all trade qualities. I've mentioned Ayuk as a as a blocker, but you know they've they've got lots of other guys. Kittle is a huge advantage as a blocker. They're, they're they they have a really solid 12 group they can put out there uh, with a lot of mix and mix and match there that that'll uh, that'll work for them. And they have you know players like Debo who can line up all over the place. Um, uh, Jennings was another guy who I guess we didn't see in this game. He was he was out, but uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, they, they it's it's they're not a speed team in the same sense. Miami has speed all over the place with Mostert and Achan and um, yeah. I've always wanted to pronounce his name. I'm gonna just I, I think I'm going with pronouncing it incorrectly until I hear it enough to say it right regularly. But Achan <laughs> is what I want to call him. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, by the way, A-Chain had his first kind of not so great year. So if you're in the group that wants Keaton Mitchell to be the greatest running back under some certain circumstances of all time, Keaton Mitchell is now retaking the lead by A-Chain who, who had 3.4 yards per carry in this last game. So oh, that's great. <laughs> uh, it'll, it'll be a big deal for, for the, the Ravens to, uh, to, to hold A-Chain down. But, but besides A-Chain, I mean, Mostert is a track star, even though he's over 30 years old now, he's a, he's, Got very limited tread wear on the tires, and they have obviously Waddle and and um, uh, Hill are two of the biggest threats you can have on the outside with uh, with lots of speed. So they they they're really quite different from the 49ers in terms of not necessarily concept wise, but in terms of of trait wise, um, what they have. So uh, I I think I I don't know how much they'll take this. Obviously, they're looking at the film. They're also looking at the previous games from the Ravens. Um, Nobody's been able to quite figure it out yet against the Baltimore Ravens this year. And Miami has not figured it out against any good team this year. And I mean, on both sides of the ball net, the the exception is Dallas. And I think at this point, you'd really have a question as to whether, uh, you know, Dallas, particularly on the road is the kind of team that you'd put an elite status on. Right. Yeah. And Miami is a very different team at home than they are on the road. And they, that offense usually cooks a, down in Miami and not so much on the road, especially against good teams. So, it, yeah, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be a good game. I, I yeah, I mean, Miami has to prove that they can beat a top team on the road, though. Yeah. 
Got a couple more still. We're going to keep going with these because these are so good. Uh, Randy Morgan, again, do you think the increased use of Marlon in the slot with Hamilton at safety was more of a matchup-specific change or an ongoing reduction in Geno Stone's role? I'll, I'll take that one if you don't mind here. I, I'll, I'll say that um, the Marlon thing was a was a forced circumstance. They didn't go with Marlon in the slot effectively until Hamilton got hurt. Um, they'd used him a couple of times previously than that when they moved Darby out on the outside and used a standard nickel. Uh, but but it, but it really, they did it for three dime snaps and they did it for two other snaps. One was a 58-yard play, another was a penalty, as we mentioned in the first show. So they didn't really move to that until Hamilton got hurt. So I expect when Hamilton is healthy, they're going to want to go most of the time with big nickel Hamilton. When they have specialized situations where they like a, a standard nickel and a little more coverage ability, they'll go with Marlon there. Yep. All right. Spencer Peterson, amazing game by the defense, obviously, but in some ways there's a bit of a silver lining that the offense still looks a little rough around the edges at times. Makes me feel like this team has margin for error in any game versus any opponent. Okay. It's just a good comment there. Reaction. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, all offenses are based on rhythm and timing and precision and, any one little thing can throw off, throw off the, throw off that that timing, and you know a a, a good offense can look mediocre or, or even bad at times. Um, so that that's what a defense is designed to do. They're designed to throw off the timing and the rhythm of an offense, and you know, so that that happens to you know to the best of them. It, it'll happen to Lamar like. Not every drive is going to be a touchdown. There's just so many things that can go go wrong on offense to stall out a drive. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I agree in a lot of ways. So, um, yeah, I, I think – why don't we just move on to the next question here because I, I do want to get through a couple more here. Liam McCusker asked a question. Is there something driving the win probability being in favor of the 49ers – until 9:21 left in the thir- in Q3, despite the fact the Ravens had the lead in points, starting with 9:30 left in Q2. Okay, I'm going to put this chart up here and then share it with you in our in our uh, thing here, so you can you can see what he's saying. Um, okay, come on now. Uh, it's one of these things that I am good. There you go. I am surprised by this. Um, but you know, you see the chart in front of you that the Ravens had, it looks like less than a 50% chance to win the game. They had slightly over in the first half when they're up 13 to five. So what I'll tell you about this win probability models differ in one significant way is that some of them include what the starting expectation of a win is. So if you look at this, the Ravens had about a 30% chance to win the game at the outset. It looks like it's, yeah. Uh, 70% um, uh, 49ers at the, at the start of the game. That would tell you that's the, that's the point spread initially taking its, its weight. They got to halftime and there was a four point differential. The game was still about even. It doesn't really surprise me um, uh, in that way that it would be. And then of course, when the Ravens started to pile it on in terms of points, you see that you see the percentage go way up. Uh, It doesn't shock me. Is there anything about this, Brandon, that looks to you to say doesn't make sense at some particular point in time? Yeah, it's it's really kind of hard to hard to tell. Um, I think 
you know, I think that's when um, the 49ers off that first drive started getting in worse and worse position. And that's, you know, with the Ravens already having the lead um, and the 49ers not, not able to move the ball in those first two drives. That's, that's when, you know, you, you could kind of see that's, that's probably when the win probability started to shift. I mean, but even still like 50, 50, 52 percent it's you know it's it's still a toss-up essentially yeah right so i i and that is something i'm not i'm not exactly picking up here but the the it was it looks like at halftime the chance for the ravens to win was still under 50 and because it would be somewhere towards mm-hmm. the center of this graph the point is that one of the things that 49ers said going for them is they were getting the ball first in the second half and until the end of the first half it looked like they might get the ball still to end the first half, but the Ravens ended up closing it out, getting a field goal that that improved their chances some, and I think that's maybe some of the increase we see there towards the end of the half. Anyway, um, this is an interesting chart. Uh, maybe you tell me where people can find these specific ones. I'm sure they're all over, but this specific one I'd like to know about in terms of um, if they have some methodology out there that would tell me where did it come from. Yeah. All right. Take that off the screen there. And uh, i got one more question here. Hey, Ken. Uh, actually, this one looks like it's about the offense. We'll save this. Talks about Lamar holding the ball too long. We'll, we'll, we'll save that for the offensive show. Mm-hmm. Brandon, appreciate you staying up with us and and uh, and talking about this. Pretty cool mailbag questions, weren't they, tonight? Yeah, this was a great mailbag. Yeah, excellent mm-hmm. questions, guys. All right. Please keep it up. We love to we love to hear them from you. And uh, Brandon, uh, uh, this might be your last show of the year, but maybe we'll get you back hopefully at some point during the playoffs. Uh, tell folks where they can talk football with you online. Sure. Um, I'm on Twitter at Brandon Croxton five and um, love talking football with everybody. And um, yeah, also also um, I'm also on the board of a nonprofit called Stocks in the Future. Um, and we are having a uh our big signature event in April. Um, it's a sports team uh, event, and it's going to be tons of fun. Um, check us out at sifonline.org. Um, and yeah, it, what's the what's, what's the mission of the nonprofit? If if you don't mind, just telling you that. Yeah. So it's called Stocks in the Future. We teach uh, principles of investment and um, financial responsibility to middle school students oh. sort of communities. So I often thought that was fantastic work. I heard Corey Harris was doing that um, with his oh, time boy. after, after the NFL. Yeah. I have okay. always thought that would be really good. The, the company, a company that I consult for had um, a lot of materials built of this type It was more for um, teaching people financial responsibility at the high school level, I would say, but middle school is a great place to catch it. That's a yeah. great place mm-hmm. to catch it. Um, uh, but a lot of it, you know, it's, it, you know, how do you open a bank account? How do you have a credit card? You know, how do checks work? Yes. I mean, stuff that yes. you yes. should know, but not everybody does. Yeah. Teach all the basics. Yeah. What is a checking account? What is it? Yeah. What is a budget? Everything. And what teach them with stocks and, and by the third year, by eighth grade, we're teaching them what makes a good stock. They're learning about P ratio, debt to equity, wow. everything. So, yeah, it's very, very, very uh, intensive. Curriculum. What's the ninth grade program is getting them to invest in their Roth IRA and how important that is early on? <laughs> we, we, yeah, we, you know, we yeah, we teach about, yeah, um, time value of money and everything on it as well. So, yeah. yeah. Very cool. That's definitely... Definitely information that every person 
needs to have to 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 just be able to function in society. I mean, you whether you you're you're uh, you're uh, want to really play the game financially or not, or whether you you, you just want to be able to function and get through life with right, fewer exactly. problems. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, very valuable. I'm, I'm I'm so happy to hear you're involved in that. If uh, if you need me in any way to contribute to that, I would be happy to. Please talk to me about that o- offline. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Other folks out there who'd be interested in being on a film study short, hit me up. Uh, DMs are always open on Twitter. Uh, I want to talk to you, and uh, and please send me your uh, uh, your idea for what make a good show, and I'll talk to you about it. We'll see if we can uh, engineer that into something that work and is is new and and uh, and interesting. And and I, I had a lot of fun meeting people in that. Uh, for big time fans of the show, we always recommend at this point, if you would. Uh, and you, you, you'd like to do something nice for the show, writing a 50-word, five-star review um, does a lot of good for um, traffic to the show. Uh, you know, just what you like about the show, um, make a joke or two is always good, and then uh, uh, you know, maybe somebody will give it a listen who wouldn't otherwise have, have had access to the show. It's amazing how many people say, I've never heard of this before uh, kind of thing. But you know, it's, still, it's always a fight to, to get the traffic to new places. So thank you very much, all you loyal listeners. Had a new record here come in. Somebody sent me their Spotify um, thing, which says they listened to, I'll get this now, 11,900 minutes of this show in the last year. That's oh, wow. 200 hours of the show. So yeah. <laughs> I just want to say <laughs> thank you very much. That's a, you know, a, a eight and a half days of your life. <laughs> Been on this show last year. I really appreciate it, and uh, and uh, thank you for sending me that. Anybody else who, who wants their um, their uh, uh, long uh, listening minutes uh, mentioned on air, I'm happy to happy to do that as well. Yeah, Brandon. Great. Brandon, thanks again for coming on. All right, thank you. And we'll talk to you next time on Film Study. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, 
planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.